You are listening to a podcast of Risen Savior Lutheran Church in Chula Vista, California. Growing in faith, living in hope, serving in love, all to the glory of God. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The sermon text that we're going to use today is recorded in Zechariah chapter 9. We read it earlier. I'm just going to read a couple of verses here again. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. The Word of God. If you could, just for a second in your own mind, picture a king. Okay, you got it? Does that picture in your mind match the description of Zechariah? Or does it more closely match the picture of a fairy tale or a Disney cartoon? Maybe it matches the description of a king you learned about in history class in high school. Maybe for some of you, when you hear the name king or picture a king, you think of a game like King of the Hill. Did you ever play that growing up? Maybe not around here. I always played it on snowbanks. A bunch of kids would be on the top of the snow banks and the last one standing on top of the hill was the king. In order to become king, you had to be pretty forceful, pretty powerful. I was never the king, by the way. That's the first image that comes to my mind when I think of a king. Power. Even in something like a card game, like I showed the kids earlier, the king is typically the most powerful card or one of the most powerful cards to have. I think of a king, I think of someone who is forceful, decisive, powerful. And much of that matches Zechariah's description of the king. The king, Zechariah writes, is one having salvation. He's the savior of the people. He's one who takes away chariots and war horses and weapons from the enemy. His rule extends from sea to sea and to the ends of the earth. All of those details match our idea of a king too. He most certainly is worthy for us to rejoice greatly as he makes his entrance. But it is there where we start to have some difficulty. His entrance. It's one of the, the, the difficult lessons of Lent. Understanding God's weak battle plan. And I'm not just talking about his, his entrance on, on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I'm talking about his entrance into this world that's a little difficult to understand. Conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. 
He left his mansion in heaven exchanged for a feeding trough for animals. And then you think about his entrance 30 years later onto the scene as he was baptized by John. There weren't millions of people there for that coronation. It was just John and Jesus, and the Father and the Holy Spirit, of course. But it's difficult to understand because he was making his entrance into the public ministry, and yet it was so private. Then we think about his entrance into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. 40 days without anything to eat? This is a king we're talking about? Think about his entrance into the upper room. And there he is, washing his disciples' feet. A king, washing his disciples' feet. Then was his entrance into the Garden of Gethsemane, where he just seems so weak, asking for another way. And then there was his entrance into the company of Roman soldiers. No fight, only surrender. Then there was his entrance into the courtrooms. No defense given, only silence. And then after the cross, his entrance into the tomb. Dead. It's just another difficult lesson of Lent, understanding God's weak battle plan. I suppose before we go any further, we we should discuss the alternative, right? Let's say that Jesus had 12 million soldiers rather than 12 disciples. Let's say Jesus did come and set the Jews free from Roman rule. Let's say Jesus did have the most ornate palace in the history of this world using a thousand times the gold used in the building of Solomon's temple. Let's say that he did go around from parade to parade with the most beautiful crown of jewels on his head. There's the alternative. But what does that accomplish? But that's what the people in his day were looking for. That's the kind of king they were hoping for. But what does that accomplish? And yet, isn't it true in some ways that's still the type of king we're looking for? One who uses his power to make our lives better. One who would use his power to take away our aches and our pains. One who would use his power to give us more wealth in this world. One who would use his power to wipe off the face of this earth all the evil people so that our men and women wouldn't have to go off to war. I mean, isn't that the type of king we want? Someone who would use his power to in some ways just make our lives easier, make our lives better. But in the end, what does that accomplish? Sure, sometimes he does provide those things, but many times he doesn't. And then there are people in this world who will come to us, maybe even our own friends and family, and they'll say, you know, your king, Jesus, yeah, he's kind of weak, isn't he? And quite honestly, sometimes we're left in our own minds thinking the same thing. He's kind of weak. 
And you know what? It's true. Weakness always has been, always will be a part of God's plan. In order to truly become our king, he had to to set aside full use of his power. In order to truly serve the people of his kingdom, he had to not make full use of his strength. And and we, we heard it in the epistle lesson for today. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now that doesn't sound like a battle plan built on strength. That sounds like a battle plan built on weakness. And it is, in a way. Unless we understand who the enemy to his kingdom is. It's not just a nation of this world It's not just a a group of people. It's not even always visible. I'm sure we all remember in the days after 9-11 how our president had to describe to us that we were now facing a different kind of enemy, fighting a different kind of war. Not just one nation, not just one spot on a map. A different kind of enemy, a different kind of war. King Jesus had a different kind of enemy and had to fight a different kind of fight, too. His enemies, the same as ours, are sin, death, and the devil. In order to defeat sin, he had to suffer sin's curse, which is death. In order to defeat the devil, he had to face every temptation the devil could throw at him, and he did. In order to defeat death, he had to die so that he could rise again. And he did, and now he lives to tell about it, which is exactly the way Zechariah said it would happen. He will proclaim peace to the nations. And it's that word peace that leads us to understand that God's weak battle plan worked. God is now at peace with us. We're now at peace with him because God and sinners have been reconciled, brought together, made one again. And all because the Son of God, the Son of God humbled himself so that he could die on a cross to to, to forgive us for our sins and wash them away totally for good. And he did. God's weak battle plan accomplished those great things. You were once far away enemies, but have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Ephesians 2, verses 12 and 14. That's why he made his entrance into this world the way he did. Conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. That's why he made his entrance into the Jordan River into the upper room, into Gethsemane, into the courtrooms, onto the cross, and into the tomb to establish peace, to give us peace, to give us the peace of knowing that our enemies of sin, death, and the devil have been destroyed. That's what's happened. We have been justified through faith. We have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. Every sin has been dealt with. Death and the devil have been silenced. God's anger over sin has been totally satisfied. There is no longer not even one ounce of hostility that exists between God and us. His weak battle plan worked. There's no doubt about it. Jesus is a different kind of a king. And yet look at all the accomplishments he secured on our behalf. He has forgiven us. He has redeemed us. He has justified us. He has reconciled us. He has protected us. He has prepared us. I'll say that last one again. He has prepared us. Prepared us not only for that day when we will be on the golden streets of heaven in that parade where our king makes his entrance. He has also prepared us for this lifetime. Today. Because even while we, by God's grace, are at peace with God, we do not live in a peaceful world. We don't live in a peaceful world. Our enemies have been defeated, but that doesn't mean that we don't have to constantly be on guard against them. And it's good to understand Jesus' different kind of enemies, Jesus' different kind of fight, because They're our same enemies. It's a similar fight. And so, no, we we, we don't prepare for this fight by spending extra time in the weight room. We may spend extra time in the weight room, but not for this particular fight. We don't assemble a large arsenal of weapons, not physical ones, because we're not in a physical fight. God has graciously prepared us for the kind of fight we are in, a spiritual one. My encouragement for for all of you and myself in the next week is in your personal Bible study to read the second half of Ephesians chapter 6. You'll recognize these words, but take some time to meditate on them this week too. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And again, as I read through that, the words sound powerful, but in the end, our weapon, our matter of defense is the word of God. 
the word? Doesn't that sound once again like another weak battle plan? That's our defense, words? And yet we consider how God has used his word to conquer our hearts. God's weak battle plan worked in the past and God's weak battle plans continue to work still today. And that's what we're going to see again this week, Holy Week. It starts out in such a humbling way as Jesus makes his entrance into the city on all things of a donkey. But out of all the words of Zechariah's prophecy, that's not the most surprising detail. The most surprising, shocking detail of this prophecy are these words, verse 9. Your king comes to you. It's just another detail that makes this king a different kind of king. Our king comes to us of all people, the sinners that we are. Our king comes to us to live with us. Our king comes to us to live for us. Our king comes to us to die for us. Imagine, just recognize the beauty of these words. Your king, the king of kings, comes to you. So yes, there is reason to rejoice greatly and to shout for joy this holy week, every week, and into all eternity. Because your king comes to you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Risen Savior podcast. For more information about our church, check us out online at risensavior.us.